uh, we're calling this the big give, the big give. And the big give is that this, all offering that comes in, all tithes and offerings that come in to the general funds at, at all of our campuses are going to be going right back outside of here to ministries outside of Hosanna. Uh, a big chunk of that is going to be going to Feed My Starving Children, which makes sense because we are going to be hosting at our Lakeville campus a Feed My Starving Children South Metro mobile pack uh, where we're going to be packing over 2 million meals. And so a big chunk of the offering will go toward that. And then uh, other... Uh, uh, parts of that offering will go to support ministries, partners in India, people who are serving in some of the poorest slums in, in India, reaching people there. And this offering is going to run from today, it actually started yesterday, all the way through Friday. And uh, we're just so excited about what God is going to do. We believe that he's going to do more than we could possibly ask or imagine. And uh, I'm going to pray right now that God would move in our hearts. Would you join me? God, thank you for drawing us here together this morning. It's not an accident that we're here. And now we pray, God, that you would move our heart, open our hearts to be moved by your spirit. Break our hearts for what breaks yours and shape our lives, form them, fill them. May they, may they look more and more like you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. We just finished a series called Making Room. It was a three-week series um, I thought this was a directional series for our church, uh, that it's a pivotal series. It's going to set the course for months, even years to come, this idea of making room for what matters most, God and people. Simple thought, but it's true. And it's amazing how easy it is for, to get, it is for us to get drawn away from what matters most, making room for what matters most. Uh, the second week of the series, Jen, Pastor Jen, that's what I call her at home, Pastor Jen, uh, my wife, um, she challenged us to share our making room stories, stories of us making room for people, what matters most to God, people. And uh, not, not only did you respond, you responded in a big way. Almost 2,000 stories came in of, of you making room for people and in all kinds of ways. And continue to share those stories. We're just getting started. This is gonna be a year of sharing those stories online, your connect cards of making room for people. One of the common themes that we have picked up on, and this is good, this is how it should be, is that a lot of those stories involve gathering together with people around a table, having meals with people, uh, kind of getting back to the way things ought to be, right? If we're gonna be a, a community, a real community, if we're gonna be the church the way that God intended the church to be, we're gonna have to get back to some of those basic practices like gathering around meals. The first century church in Acts chapter two, we see them sharing meals together all the time. And that's happening here, sharing meals with folks, people inside the church, people outside. It's easier said than done though, isn't it? And our lives are very full. We talked about that in the series. It's not easy to find time to make room around the table, including on Christmas morning. I want to tell you about our, our family's traditions on Christmas morning. First of all, we always start with the Christmas story. Upstairs, before we go downstairs and start opening gifts, we read the Christmas stories. The boys just love that. They just love having to wait to go downstairs to open presents, but we do it. We find the shortest version we can, and we go down, and there's a lot of chaos and craziness, and then right in the middle of all that, before they get to the big gifts, we stop again to have a meal together. They love that too, <laughs> but we do, and, uh, and, and I want to tell you about this year, and I'm about to do something that a husband should never do, a preacher should never do, um, and that is talk about his wife's cooking in negative terms, in front of thousands of people. Pray for me. 
Actually, I should say my wife is an amazing, she is a fantastic cook, and I mean that, amazing cook. She cooks Thai food. Her mom grew up in Thailand as a missionary child, and so she cooks Thai food that is to die for and all kinds of other stuff. This last Tuesday, January 21st, she cooked a meatloaf, a killer meatloaf. On January 20th, it's the only time of the year she will do it because it's my birthday and I can have anything I want. She won't make a meatloaf any other time of the year except for on my birthday. So last Tuesday, I turned 45, 45 years old. Thank you. But this Christmas morning, she decided to make for the first time sticky rolls from scratch. They smelled so good. Pulled them out of the oven. They looked so good. And then when we started eating them and putting our fork in them, they did not taste so good. <laughs> they were doughy inside. They were you know, mushy inside, liquid. You might even call them sticky bun soup is what we were having. One of the boys got out a straw and started, you know, eating the... <laughs> they needed to be in the oven for like 10 minutes, maybe 40 minutes longer than they were. And so they weren't fully cooked. They were half cooked. Why am I sharing this with you? Right? Am I risking marital bliss to share this story with you? Uh, here's why. Sticky buns, they might look good on the outside. They may smell good. But if they're not fully cooked, they don't taste good. They aren't satisfying. Right? They, they, aren't, they aren't fulfilling on the inside. And isn't that true of anything that's not fully cooked? It may look good on the outside, but on the inside, nah. Not so much when you actually taste it, when you actually start consuming it. Anything that's half cooked isn't, isn't what it looks like on the outside in, in, our, in our actual experience. And it's true of Christianity as well. Half cooked Christianity. It might look good on the outside, might even smell good, but on the inside, not so much. And if we're not careful, as Christians, as Jesus followers, as a church, we may find ourselves serving up half-cooked Christianity. And what is half-cooked Christianity? It's usually based on these two words, feed me, feed me. Half-cooked Christianity always starts with those words and ends with those words, feed me. I feed me in a couple of different ways. This plays out. Feed me spiritually. I want that next course. I want that next study. I want that next sermon. I want that next service. I want that next dynamic speaker. I want that next, but just feed me. I want to consume, consume, consume. Feed me, my preferences, how I want things. I don't like how this happens. I want it this way. Consume, consume, feed me. It mirrors our consumeristic culture. We conform to that sometimes as believers. Consume. You know what happens when you just consume and you don't do anything with it? You get fat. Feed me. Another way it happens, and this happens especially in more privileged parts of the world as believers, if we're really honest with ourselves, it, it's this experience of being primarily consumed, preoccupied with stuff. Whose stuff? My stuff, my stuff, my material possessions, what I have. Oh, we like those verses in the Bible that talk about Jesus forgiving us and Jesus blessing us and Jesus serving us. But the verses about us doing all of that for others in the world, particularly those who are less fortunate than us, we, we don't so readily go there. And we get consumed with our material possessions. We conform to 
materialism in the world. Half-cooked Christianity. That's not what Jesus had in mind when he started this thing. Half-cooked Christianity. You know, I almost called this message half-baked Christianity, but I thought that might be distracting, so I didn't. <laughs> half-cooked. So the goal of this series, you ready for this? The goal of this series is to put your buns in the oven a little bit longer. <laughs> we might be more fully cooked as followers of Jesus. Because that's not what Jesus had in mind, a half-cooked kind of Christianity. In fact, he said some things to religious leaders, Pharisees, like, you know what, you're minoring in the majors and you're majoring in the minors. I want you to major in the majors, things like justice and mercy, caring for the poor. I want you to major in those things. He says this to those same leaders. He says, you look good on the outside. You're all cleaned up on the inside, but on the inside, not so much. It's kind of filthy, half-cooked, you know, doughy on the inside. Jesus has a fully cooked life, a fully cooked kind of Christian life in mind for us. And we're gonna look at a passage in Matthew chapter 14 that gets at this, unpacks this for us. What does this look like, a fully cooked life, a fully cooked Christianity? It's a passage that some of you are probably familiar with. You've been around the Bible for any length of time and you've probably heard this, but this is gonna maybe be a different spin on this passage the feeding of the, of the 5,000, Matthew 14, verse 13. So that as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Uh, a little bit of the background why he wanted to be alone. He had just found out that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been killed. And so he was going somewhere to be alone, to grieve, to mourn his cousin, John, John's death, which makes it all the more amazing what, what we see next, what we hear next. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Crowds always found Jesus. Verse 14, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Had compassion on them. This word compassion, now the Greek word is splachna. Turn to a, someone next to you and say splachna. And then say, sorry for spitting on you. Splachna. Splachna is where we get the, the, the English word spleen from. And the idea that, that, that it comes from somewhere deep inside of us, within our guts. Compassion that, that goes deep and it comes from this deep, deep, deep place. It wells up inside of us. Jesus had splachna, compassion for people. And those of us who are Jesus followers have Jesus, the very presence of Jesus living in us through the Holy Spirit. We also have this compassion in us. May need to wake it up, but it's in there. Let's see what happens next. Verse 15, that evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Wouldn't it be easier if those hungry crowds would just go away? I mean, seriously. Our lives would be so much easier if we just... Those hungry crowds would just kind of go away. It's kind of inconvenient that we have to think about. And let's just be honest about that. It'd be much more convenient if they would just, like the disciples are saying, like, can't they just go away? I mean, our, our lives would be so much easier if we didn't hear stats. Like 2 billion people, about 25% of the world's population live on less than $3 a day. The average American makes about $125 a day. Uh, 46,000 a year. And that puts, if 
that's you and that's most of us, puts us in the top 4% of the most wealthiest people in the world. So much more convenient if we didn't know that. If we didn't know that even locally, that's anywhere between one in 10 and one in two elementary age, middle school age kids are, are on free and reduced lunch in the South Metro. Or this one I really wish I didn't know about, but I do. And that is that 16,000 children die a day of hunger. That's one child every five seconds. Like the disciples, I think sometimes, if we're honest, we just have to go away. But as Jesus' followers, the way of Jesus is not that way. Jesus says in verse 16, but Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. They don't need to go away. You feed them. Six months ago, we were starting to prepare for a series this, this year, 2020. And we have creative people here, let me tell you. I'm not that creative. The stuff they come up with, uh, the logos and the looks and the graphics and the titles, all that, most of the time, much more. But I told our, our creative folks, I said, you don't even have to waste your time. The title of this series is going to be You Feed Them. Because that's what Jesus tells us to do. You feed them. And I don't think this is how the Lord's been speaking to me this week on, on this, this word, you feed them. It's not just for a day, some day you know, in Galilee 2,000 years ago where Jesus told his, his followers to feed people. It's not just a, for a day, it's a way. It's a way of life. If we wanna have a fully cooked faith, a fully cooked Christianity, this is a big part of it. You feed them a way, not just a day. Let's see how they respond. Verse 17, but we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Those words, we have only. Those three words say a lot about the barriers, the things that get in the way of us doing this, feeding them. We have, let's start with those two words. We have, this is, this is mine. I've earned this. I deserve this. Even though 25% of the people, they don't in the world, they live on $3. But I deserve this. I, this is mine. I've got to protect this. I've got to make sure that I hang on to this. One of the biggest distortions in our world today is that what we have is ours. See, a Jesus follower understands that everything we have is a gift from God. Everything. Everything is a gift from God and everything that we have is to be used by God. We have, and then we have only, only. We only have this. It's a scarcity, it's a barrier for us in, in terms of feeding people the way Jesus tells us to because it's a scarcity mentality. I only have this much, I only have this. I gotta put stuff away, I've gotta make sure I have enough for a rainy day, that rainy day. I've gotta have a, I've, Scarcity mentality. Scarcity mentality, then the word scarcity is a lot like another word, scared. 
When we have that mentality, we are operating from a place of fear. And as followers of Jesus, people have been filled with the presence. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. We are not to be driven by fear. We are to be driven by faith. Not to have a scarcity mentality, but an abundance mentality. Like my God is a God of abundance. He created the universe. All is his. And we are to have an abundance mentality, not a scarcity mentality. But we have to do, we we have only, we have only, what does Jesus have to say to that? Verse 18, bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. See a pattern here. They brought what they had to Jesus. Jesus blessed it. He gives it back to them and then they, they share it with others. Simple pattern. Bring it to Jesus, he blesses it. And then he says, here, you share this with others. And then verse 20, they all ate as much as they wanted and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Now there are, there are a lot of theological implications here. We can get into all that, but I just want to focus on this one, leftovers. Anyone like leftovers? I do. God is a God of abundance, leftovers. There was more than enough. And there is more than enough in this world to feed them. You've heard some of these stats. There's enough food in the world to feed everybody. It's just not getting to everybody. I heard this one recently. That was kind of fun. That if everyone stopped eating ice cream, come on. We could feed all the hungry people in the world. That's easy for me to say because I'm lactose intolerant. But whatever. Give up your ice cream. (laughs) If we stopped wasting 25% less wasted food and it could feed up almost a billion people. There is enough for everybody to eat to satisfaction. That's what's happening here too. They ate and they were satisfied. They were full. It's true of spiritual hunger in the story. I also believe it's true of spiritual hunger. That when we participate in this fully cooked life and, and, and leave the half-cooked Christianity behind, we're, it's so fulfilling. Getting outside of ourselves, sharing what we have, being a part of blessing others It's satisfying. And it's satisfying for us and for other people when we participate in that. Leftovers. The challenge is, I believe, there's enough on our tables in this church to to feed millions of people. And then here's how it ends in verse 21. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. Which means at least 10,000, probably more, were fed that day. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. In fact, there are two miracles in this story. There's the miracle of Jesus taking five loaves and two fish and feeding 10,000 plus people supernaturally, what God can do miraculously. There's another miracle. Someone shared. That's a miracle. Someone shared what he had. A boy, we learn in another, from another gospel, was a, a young boy, anonymous, Shared what he had. We don't know if that's all he had for his family to bring home for that week to eat. We don't know if there were others who were kind of holding back and hiding some food in their baskets and under their cloaks. But we do know that one boy shared. And it was a miracle in and of itself. And we can be a part. This isn't just about something that happened 2,000 years ago. We can be a part of a miracle like that today. And we will. We are part of that miracle 
as we participate in the Feed My Starving Children South Metro Mobile Pack this week, hosted at our Lakeville campus. Over 20 churches coming together, over 2 million meals being packed. That's 6,000 kids that will be fed for a year. Praise God. And so many of you are already signed up, and that's great. We want all of you to get signed up to pack. And even more than that, we need volunteers to help host this event, uh, to help welcome people and direct people and support the event. So please sign up that way. It's a great opportunity to invite your friends too, even your unchurched friends, because this is what our unchurched friends think the church should be doing anyway. And we are. Great opportunity to invite your friends. And... It's a great opportunity for me to invite a friend up here with, with me today. I'm going to invite my friend, uh, Pastor Jeff Marion from Prince of Peace. Would you welcome Jeff Marion to the stage? It's good to see you. Well, Jeff, uh, I've been thinking about this all weekend, uh, that this is a big deal to have you here, uh, to give up a, a weekend of your busy full life as a lead pastor. I know what that's like. And, uh, and to be away from your church, a big church. And so thank you for taking the time to be with us. It's a privilege. It's great to be here with you. And it's always good to hang out with you. Thank you. Say more things like that yeah, throughout this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're going to get to feed my starving children, this whole idea of half-cooked Christianity and you feed them and all that. But uh, let's just, I want to hear your thoughts on, on this idea of making room for, um, particularly last week we talked about making room for people who are different than us. And as I've thought about our friendship, that's what we've done. I mean, we have some differences, like I'm a little taller, yeah, you're a little smarter because you're and a, lot a little older, older. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, there are, and there are some differences between our churches and all that, but, mm. but we've made room to come together and, and have meals together. I just love your thoughts on, on all of that. Yeah. It's true. We, uh, we, we are different. Our, our congregations are different. Burnsville and Lakeville are increasingly different communities, and that, that's shaping the ministries that we do, and we see some things through a different theological lens. But our differences aren't the problem. The problem is that we bought into the cultural lie that it's our differences that matter and define us. And I think that's a tool of the enemy that wants divisiveness in the body. And uh, I, I think sometimes we become like the Pharisees that you were talking about earlier, majoring in the minors instead of what really matters. And that's our unity. You see, I believe what scripture teaches, uh, especially through St. Paul, he says that the, the love of Jesus is so big, it's so powerful, that in baptism it washes away every distinction between us so that there is no longer a Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, no Ryan or Jeff, no Hosanna or Prince of Peace, but we're one. We're one in Christ, and that's, that's what matters. And it's time we, we lived into that unity in, uh, in more profound ways. I mean, the truth is you and I get together on a regular basis and have for, what, about five years now, and we, we have never talked about our differences we're too busy talking about the things that we have in common, our love for our congregations, our love for the Lord, the, the challenges of leadership, the, the joy of family. And you have been a champion of that kind of unity. And it's one of the things that I, that I love most about you, that that's your heart for the church. Mm. Well, same, same with yeah. your heart. Thank you. Thank you. 
And I wanna, I wanna say uh, publicly uh, um, just what a difference you've made for me in terms of walking out this journey of being a lead pastor. In those early years, um, I was able to process things with you, the challenges of, of being the lead pastor of a larger church, and your encouragement, your support, your friendship has meant so much. And so thank you for that. Um, uh, the... Well, I would just tell us a little bit about what's going on at Prince of Peace. So we have a sense for that and what we can kind of celebrate with you and how we can be praying for you. Yeah, well, there's some great things going on. We just finished a, a building process. We're moving into phase two pretty shortly. I think one of the things that I'm most excited about is something we're calling Church 2.0. Uh, we are preparing to interview in focus groups a couple of hundred people that identify as spiritual but not religious and to learn what that means for them, to understand how they uh, feel what we might call spiritual hunger and how they perceive what feeds that in them. And then we want to partner with them in ways that help to feed that need in them that don't require them to come onto a brick-and-mortar campus to form those partnerships. I mean, Prince Peace is great, but it's not for everyone, and we want to be able to build the kingdom in, in new ways. And we'll be sharing some of what we learn with, uh, with you and with others. Love that, yeah. We'd love to be a part of that conversation, and that is the way that we're trying to think more and more, that it's not just about getting people to come to a place, the church. It's in part about that. It's also about going out to every place to bring the presence of God and right. the love of God uh, to people throughout our communities. So love that. That's awesome. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about the event that's happening this mm -hmm. week, because Prince of Peace has been the tip of the spear in terms of uh, uh, bringing this together. So many churches that are coming together. I love the unity aspect of that. But give us some of the history and then what you're excited about for this year. Yeah. When I came to Prince of Peace 12 years ago, I held focus groups with our disciples just to find out what made the place tick. And it became pretty evident in those conversations that one of the things that set our people's hearts on fire was feed my starving children. At that time, we were holding packing events at Prince of Peace for our own folk and, you know, packing about 200,000 meals. And, and that was a transformative experience for our folks. But as we began to listen to the Holy Spirit, we felt the call of God to begin to share that experience with others, in particular smaller congregations that didn't often have an opportunity to do something bigger than themselves, and it just began to grow from that point on. God bless that endeavor. And so we have partnered with well over 30 congregations. Uh, since we've been doing the South Metro Meal Pack, we have packed together Catch this, over 16.5 million meals, and that's enough to feed over 45,000 children for an entire year around the world. That's a miracle, yeah. as you've been talking about today. Just stunning. And so we've been so excited to share in that partnership with you, and now I'm really excited that you're going to have the opportunity to host, not just because more kids are going to be fed and, and know the hope and the wholeness and the love of Christ, but that you'll have the opportunity to experience what it is to, to be the table around which the body of Christ gathers to feast on this opportunity to care for the least of these, which makes God's heart glad and I think makes all of our hearts glad. So thank you for hosting this year. Yeah, we're honored to do it. I know uh, you, you hosted two years ago and then Brian did a great job with it last year and we are um, just thrilled to be able to host this year. So thanks for the opportunity. So on this topic of half-cooked Christianity, Jesus saying you feed them, uh, just maybe a word of encouragement, uh, some wisdom on this topic um, before you leave the platform here. Yeah, as I've been reflecting on that question, which it sent me in advance, the verse that kept coming back to me over and over again was this, to whom much is given, much is required. 
to whom much is given, much is required. And you, Hosanna, have been given much. True? And one of the things that I most admire about this congregation, this ministry, is that it's not been enough for you merely to receive those blessings. You haven't simply received them and been content and grown fat and happy with them. You have been a ministry that's listened to the Spirit's call to move beyond yourself to care for the needs of others. And that has been a profound witness to all sorts of people, not only in the community, but literally around the world. And so I'm grateful for that witness and pray for that continued witness, that you make room at the table and that you are not willing to simply receive, but to truly feed people in this world physically and spiritually. Amen. Well, again, just so, so grateful for uh, your willingness to come and share and be uh, with us for this weekend and to kind of lead the way in bringing the church together to feed millions of kids. Yep, and as long as you've been foolish enough to give me a microphone, I'm gonna say, I love your pastor. I love his heart for the Lord. I appreciate his friendship. You are gifted and blessed, and I'm glad you share him with the rest of us. Amen? (laughs) Thank you. Well, you could just keep talking then if you yeah, want to no, go I'm that done. Way. That's it. <laughs> I ain't got nothing else nice to say. <laughs> Would you join me in thanking Pastor Jeff for joining us here once again? Thank you. Well, what you have heard uh, in this message from Pastor Jeff and what he has shared with us is a description of what a fully cooked Christianity looks like, not a half cooked you know, version of Christianity that looks good on the outside, maybe, maybe smells good on the outside, but, but really on the inside is substantive and meaningful and fulfilling as well. And I suspect that a lot of you are, you're, you're moved by that. And then I sense that there are some who probably are still going, why should I? And these are people that are in a different part of the world. These are people, I mean, I got enough to take care of my own life. And let me share a couple of thoughts on why should I? Why should you? The first is this idea of a half-cooked versus a fully-cooked life. This is what God invites us into, that you can have a life that isn't just about me, feed me, feed me, protect me, fear, scarcity. You can enter into life of being part of the blessing, the ongoing blessing in our world, of sharing what God has blessed you with. It is so much more satisfying to live this way, not just for others, but for you. Now go back to that Matthew 14 passage with me too. Where do you see yourself in that story, the feeding of the 5,000? Probably in a number of characters, but I would invite you to see yourself in the crowd. One who is hungry, one who is hungry for forgiveness one who is hungry for acceptance, one who is hungry for love, hope, peace, one who is hungry. And then I invite you to see Jesus delivering that, giving that to you, satisfying the spiritual hunger that Pastor Jeff talked about like only Jesus can, the hole in our soul that can only be filled by God because of what Jesus has done on the cross and in the resurrection, 
the life that is placed within us through the Holy Spirit, we, we can know all of that, be filled, be satisfied, overflowing. There's this theme in scripture of the great feast. You see it in a number of places, the great feast, the heavenly feast. This is the feast that you're invited to because of Jesus. The the heavenly feast, abundance now, eternity beyond this life. Because of Jesus, we can come to the great feast. And when you know that, you feed them. Is it motivated by guilt? It's motivated by gratitude. Oh, God has fed me. God has poured out these blessings into my life. I've been invited to the great banquet. And out of gratitude and out of something else, compassion splachna that wells up inside of us. Compassion for others. That prayer, the Lord's prayer that we pray, oftentimes, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know how that happens? The kingdom comes through us. Us saying yes. Pour out your blessings, but they're not gonna stop here. Feed me, feed me. I'm just the conduit through which those blessings can be delivered to other people. You feed them. So pastorally, I have two challenges for you this week. Look at me now. The first one is, Pull up an empty chair at your table this, this week. There's something powerful about a visual reminder that represents one of those two billion people who's living on less than $3 a day or one of the kids and families in our own communities who don't have enough. Pull up an empty chair. And then secondly, let's respond to Jesus' simple words, you feed them. You feed them. Enter into this fully cooked life. Be a part of feeding. Serve this week. Feed my starving children. Give to the big give in just a moment. And throughout the rest of the week, the opportunity will be there to do that. I've traveled. I just got back from Ethiopia a week ago. So if you sense there was a fire in my belly about some of this stuff, that's why. I've traveled to India. I've traveled to Haiti. And I've looked into the faces of the people that were were being asked to bless and to help feed, to serve to empower. And when I look into their faces, I see a number of things. I see hope, I see strength, I see faith, and I see this question. Will you be one who helps feed me? Do you know people who will help feed me? My family? And then I start to smile because I I think, yeah, I know about 10,000 people who will help feed you a church called Hosanna, who are people who will say yes. We know that to much has been given, much is expected, that we are blessed to be a blessing, that everything we have comes from God and is available to be used by God. So in just a moment, we are going to have an opportunity to give toward the big give. It's something that will continue through the rest of this week. Everything that comes into our general fund offerings will go to ministries outside of Hosanna, everything. And I would invite you to take out this insert where it has descriptions of those ministry partners in India and of course, Feed My Starving Children. And I'm gonna pray and then as you pray, as you look at some faces on the screens of people 
uh, who will be on the receiving end of this. I pray that we might open our hearts and step out in faith and respond to you feed them. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the blessing. First of all, of knowing that you have done everything through the cross and the resurrection to feed our souls. And the vast majority of us, we are in that upper 4% in the world. We, we are just blessed. We don't know why we're here versus some, but we are. Actually, maybe we don't know why. Now, you've called us to take the blessings we've been given and bless others. Help us to follow that simple pattern, to bring to you what we have, that you might bless it, and then it would go out to feed others. There's more than enough. Help us to grow in compassion, deep compassion. We're so grateful. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. We pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.